This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Monday, February the 1st, 2021. Monday, February the 1st, 2021. Didn't I tell you that that would happen on Friday? Remember I said TikTok, next time we come back, it'll be a new month. Now, no one sits back and says, gee, what a, what a brilliant prediction. What a brilliant prediction that, you know, on one of the final days of January, someone could tell you that February would come. I'll tell you what, though. A lot of things that we talk about that are going to happen or we explain why they're going to happen, or whatever, they're, they're as predictable as the tides. They're as predictable as the calendar. They're incredibly predictable. And one of the things that's been incredibly predictable over the years, since I started doing this show a long time ago, guys, I mean, keep in mind, TSP is more than a decade old now, more than a decade, is where we are in the world. I want you to think about that. Where we are was incredibly predictable. Now, the mechanism by which we would get here was not quite that predictable. I mean, knowing exactly why we, or, you know, what would be the excuse to get us to here. That, 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 you just knew they were going to do something, and then this came along, and it was a perfect way to, to kind of make the final push toward what they're calling the new normal. The new normal. Today's episode is called I Have No Interest in Either the New or the Old Normal. It, it, it's one of the first times I think I've ever done a show that's just a continuation of the Miyagi Morning video from the morning. But this time, I feel this so much, it's what I want to talk about today. And I'm, I'm expecting that today's show, for those of you who are longtime listeners, when I say, you know, it's more than a decade old, you're like, yeah, I know, I was back there listening to that shit when you were in the car. I know, I've been around that long. You're going to get that experience today, I think. <clears throat> I, I used to do those episodes, I had no... Um, No notes, really. I'd Maybe an index card with a few bullet points on it sitting in my console in my car. Because how do you drive and, like, read an outline? You don't, right? So, like, if you get off track a little bit, you just pull the car. Oh, yeah, and just kind of go back to it. Today I'm using less than that. I've, I've written up some show notes, but it's really more for the search engines, and so there's something there to say what the show's about. But I'm going to completely freestyle today, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do... One thing I do want to make sure we get in today is let you know about the two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Western Botanicals. Something else that hasn't changed in a long time, like ever, since man figured out that there were ways to see to our health in nature is herbs. Herbs are the most ancient form of medicine that we have, and they're still with us. There's a reason. They work. So if you're looking for herbal preparations, raw herbs to make your own, information, assistance, etc., you want to contact Western Botanicals. And the reason you want to do that, they're real people that really care about you. They're headquartered right here in the United States where you get straight answers to your customer service questions. And if it's herbal and legal, they have it at Western Botanicals. It'll either be wild-crafted or organically grown if you find it there. Check them out today at westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, knifekits.com. Boy, you talk about a long-term sponsor. I think Knifekits has been sponsoring our show since... March, I would say, of 20, uh, 2011. 
That's a long time in the world of podcasting now, isn't it, friends? Knife Kits has all the things you need to make your own knives, either completely from scratch or, like the name says, from kits. It's a great way to start making heirlooms that you can hand down to your family, a great way to learn skills and to teach skills to your family, your kids, your nephews, your nieces, your grandkids. Just who? What kid wouldn't want to be able to say, I made this knife with my grandpa? You can do that, even if you've never done it before. Knifekits.com makes it easy. Check them out today at, you guessed it, knifekits.com. With that, let's start out with a uh, a quote today. So I- I've been really irritated by this phrase, the new normal. And I think the thing that has irritated me the most about it is the belief that the concept of the new normal is the new normal. Like, like that, that's, that's just a new thing. I mean, I remember back in the day when I started this show, bitching about one of my favorite mouthpieces to beat up on, who I haven't heard from lately. Did they get rid of her, Susie Orman? Right? It's new normal. You're going to be working until you're 73. Like a little freaking Mickey Mouse in, in, in a pleather suit, right? It's the new, that was the new normal, right? It's the new normal. They, the stock market shit the bed. The person that's supposed to know about the stock market told you to stay in the stock market while it shit the bed. And now, you normally, you're going to work. See, it's not new. The new normal is nothing but new. Here's our quote of the day today from, from Michael Foucault. And this guy died in 1984. I don't know when he said this, but he died in 1984. So it had to be, you know, 1984 or back. You, people don't generally write quotes or say quotes after they're dead. They might be quoted after death, but they don't actually come up with any new material. He said, there are forms of oppression and domination which become invisible, the new normal. There are forms of oppression and domination which become invisible, the new normal. 1984, and not Orwell's 1984, the year 1984. There are forms of oppression and domination which become invisible, the new normal. What, what we're talking about there is that... There's a hidden hand that moves the world. And that, that, that hidden hand is less hidden today than it's ever been in history because we live in an information age where anybody, anywhere that wants one can have a platform in spite of massive censorship and, and, and techno overreach. It's still possible, and it's been possible for a long time now. That's why I'm doing a podcast that will be 13 years old in June because it's been possible. It's been possible. But even with... Even with the man behind the curtain being revealed, most people don't see it. It's invisible to them. They think it's just the way things have to be, and it's it's drastically different this time. But you don't understand, Jack. This time it's a virus. Tell that to the 50 million people that died from smallpox until we found a vaccine for it. And you know what we didn't do? You know what we didn't do prior to a smallpox vaccine? We didn't shut down society. We didn't shut down society. But we did plenty of other things that were forms of oppression, which became invisible, forms of domination, which became invisible. And the term, the new normal, is nothing new. Well, here's my issue with this. I'm sick and tired of anybody even using the term normal anymore. Like many things, the world, the word has just basically lost all meaning. Or we need to redefine what it means so that we're not misled when somebody says it. What is normal? Here's what normal is in 2021. And by the way, it was normal in 2011. It was normal in 2008 when I started the show. This is what normal is to the mind of the average person. The average person will go to school for 13 years, 
and will be told how important it is to achieve this massive goal of mediocrity we call a high school diploma, only so that they can enter another learning institution called college. When they get out of high school, they'll retain less than 20% of the very important things that they were taught. We all know this. This is normal. They will then work hard to get themselves into some form of college, which will cause, cost money they do not have. So they will go into a debt in the tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars for a degree the vast majority of which people will never use. This is normal. Normal is that most people will then, while carrying that debt, acquire another debt to pay for a house that they won't live in for, you know, their first house they'll live in for less than five years. And then eventually they'll get into a house that they'll die and they'll still have a mortgage against. This is normal. This is normal. Normal is believing that when you set course in life, once that course is set, your destiny is set. As though you can't change course. This is normal. Getting a visa and a MasterCard both and being proud of it and going into debt on shit that will be gone and in a landfill before you pay the debt off, also normal. Voting in elections, year after year after year, believing that if only your side gets in charge, everything will be okay, and experiencing your side in charge, the other side in charge, your life not really changing, but still believing in that system, that's normal. Notice we haven't talked about COVID yet at all, but this is the new normal. The, the normal actually means whatever the people running your society have decided you should conform to. And when they say the new normal, they've just simply said, here's new things that you are required to conform to. You have to require, you're required to conform to all the other things that we put in place to domesticate you up till now. But now, we're adding these new things. Yes, we had put you in a pig pen. Now you have to wear a ring in your nose and a shot collar. Yes, we told you to wear a mask. Now you have to wear three. Yes, we needed to stick a swab up your nose. Now we want to stick one up your ass. And if you don't let us, we won't let you. It's the new normal. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. And that's why I'm saying I have no interest in normal. I don't want anything to do with the new normal, and I don't want anything to do with the old normal, and I have lived my life denying what people call normal in my life for a very long time, for far longer than I've done TSP. Everything in my life has led up to creating the life that I have today because I decided to. Because when people said this was normal, I said, well, screw normal then. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It amazes me how readily people accept these things and how much people beg to go back to a system that wasn't that much better than what we have now. Oh, but we could go to movies, Jack. Okay. You got me. Everything was fine, but we could go to movies and go on airplanes without a mask. Okay. Everything would be great if we could just go back to that. The entire economy of these major cities that have the most oppression in them for COVID have been crumbling... For over a decade, well, for decades, but I've been talking about it for over a decade. I was telling you to get out of New York City, to get out of Los Angeles, to get out of Portland, to get out of Seattle, all the hot spots. All the places people are right now is like, well, you, you have it easier. Your state doesn't have as many restrictions. Yes, and I moved here. I chose this place. 
And I told you, choose a place like this. There are others. I've told you since 2008 that this is the way to be. To consider everything in your life. To do a hard, factual analysis and risk tolerance. I started a movement called Walking to Freedom, which was about getting the hell out of these places. There was no new normal as we you know, have been conditioned to believe the word in the last year. At that point, was there? And you know what people told me? Here's what people told me. You're running away. You're a coward. You should stay and fight. I'll stay and fight where the things that I believe in are in existence. I've chosen the life that I have. So I was told, we shouldn't leave. We should stay. I said, no, you should, you should go somewhere else because I'm telling you right now, if you actually want to do the things you say you want to do, you're not going to be able to do them there. Oh, no. That's just running away. Okay. I said, stay out of debt. Oh, you don't understand. I need debt so I can get more debt, so I can get better debt. I mean, it's actual emails I've received. You should start growing your own food now. Oh, I don't need to. I have, I have guns. You know how many people told me in the prepping industry? I don't need to store food because I have guns. How's it working out for you? How'd it work out for you in March last year? How do you think it's going to work out this spring when there's bigger shortages than there were last year? Because there's going to be. I can't be like, well, when? When? I don't know. I just know it'll be sometime in this year. It'll be when the supply of all this feed for livestock and humans we call corn and soy starts to run thin. Exactly how long that supply chain will run before it runs thin, I don't know. I do know that China's buying up every scrap they can from us. I know that other countries are, are, are canceling exports, right, and buying as much as they can from the stupid country that's still willing to export these commodities. They're in short supply right now. I know that. So it's only a matter of time. You know what I'm told? Shut up. It'll be fine. Eat your soy burger. I laid out a plan since 2008. I've laid out a plan. Do these things, or don't. But if you do these things, and then you actually take them, and you don't just, like, you notice my plan has never been step one, two, three, four, five, because one of my tenets of modern survivalism is what? What you do matters, and you have to write the plan for your life. But I've laid this out, and I've said what? I've made you one real commitment over the years, in addition to things like being honest with you. But I mean, from a standpoint of, if you then... Right? It's all summed up in the, the clunkiest catchphrase a show has ever had, but it, I used it because it was right. If times get tough, or even if they don't. I've done that year after year after year. I've said that at least once a day on the air. Helping you live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. And then, unlike so many people in this industry who talk a game, but they live they, they don't live it. I lived it. And then, a global pandemic hit. Complete disruption to every way of life. And what did I say? My life has drastically not changed. I'm still living 99% the way I was two years ago, right now. And guess what the people who I've tried to explain this to for so long say when I say that? You live in a bubble. No. I live in a world that I designed for myself. The fact that I can stand up today and tell you my life is pretty much the same as it was a year ago or two years ago shows you that the process that I teach works. 
And the important thing to understand about that is I'm not magic and I'm not that smart. And as hard as I work, I probably don't work as hard as a lot of other people. So if I can do it, so can you. And you can do it right now, starting from zero. You can do it right now. It's easy for you to say, and you, and the person that says that, you never will. You never will. Unless you change the person you've become, you never will. If that's your first reaction, you never will have anything. You might as well just line up right now like an obedient cow and do what they tell you. Beg for a little bit more when they start doing the universal basic income. Do everything they tell you to do. Conform. Move to the cities. Live in a smart city. Put the chip in your ass. Detract. You might as well. Because if that's your mindset, that's as good as you're going to do. The first thing you should think when you see somebody achieve something is good for them. Any other thought, unless they're a scumbag, right? Okay. Like if it's Bill Gates, okay, I understand. But if it's just because they financially did well, or something good happened in their life, and your first thought is must be nice, you're screwed. You know how long I've been saying that? On the air? Twelve and a half years. You know why? Because that's how long I've been on the air. Again, one commitment. Do these things, design your life, you will live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. I said this in my video today, but back when all this started, I looked at it the same way everybody else did. Okay, we really don't know what we don't know yet. We need to take a step back and breathe because what we say and do isn't going to change what they're going to say and do anyway. So let's focus on the virus and the illness and what we can do to protect ourselves from it and let's see how bad it is because we don't know. We can pretend we know. It's really bad. It's going to kill everybody. Ah, it's nothing but the cold. We don't really know. Well, the data came in and we knew. We knew a few things. We knew for some people it's really bad, for most people it's not. For most people it's a bad cold. Seriously, we know that. We learned really quick when they put mandates in that masks did not work. We knew that from 12 random controlled studies across seven decades. We knew that. That's, that's, that's the science. That's the actual science. But no, oh no, any mask will work. Oh, well, at least we're a surgical mask. But that, it'll be fine. It helps. We had like one of the heads of the CDC standing up and saying the mask offers him better protection than any vaccine ever will. Said that. And while all this was going on, once I figured out, okay, here's the supplementation regimen that we can use. Here's an understanding of the medicine that does work on this. Oh, they don't want to. Okay, fine. We're going to have to do this for ourselves. And I went on with my life. And I started posting pictures of our normal life. Our actual, real normal. Not the way they use the term. Playing with my grandkids. I had people freaking out. Oh my God, they're going to give you COVID. You'll die. Okay. I've already determined that people are getting this illness when they stay home and don't interact with anybody. So if it's going to kill me, it's probably going to kill me anyway. I can either have the life that I've built for myself and die or have misery and die. I'll take the life I built for myself. And as we started doing this, we would make salads and cook steaks and stuff like that. And I would put out, like, on social media the way we were living. And my wife said, I almost feel bad about this. And I listened to her and I understood what she was saying. So many people are doing without right now. But in the end, I decided to keep doing it. And I'll tell you why. I promised you, right? I said, 
If you design your life the way that I'm telling you to design your life and the shit hits the fan, you will live a better life even though time got tough. What credibility would I have if I got on the air every day once this started and said, oh my God, I'm so miserable. I suffer every day. I'm barely getting by. You'd say, well, we've been following the wrong guy. He's a false prophet. And you should. You should. You should be like, this guy doesn't know what the F he's talking about. How can he possibly know how to prepare? This is this is a pandemic. This is a global shift. But hey, he's been talking about that shit for years. How can we trust him now? He's eating freaking beans and rice, and the stores are still open. Yeah. And you know what? You would have been absolutely right. Do you know why? Again, it's not because I'm talented or smart. It's because this is not hard to understand. What have I been teaching for so long? Analyze your basic needs. Determine where you are most weak. Shore up those weaknesses and do it again. And keep cycling that through over and over and over. And when you realize, like, I'm really prepared here now, prepare somewhere else. Not, I got guns. I got, I'll just take what I need. How's that working out for you? I, I, I released a video in like 2011 about excessive rule of law versus without rule of law. And everybody was freaking out in the prepper community without rule of law was coming. It was going to be like patriots to come and collapse. And I said, no, no, you're going to get excessive rule of law, excessive rule of law. I was told I was a dumbass, didn't know what I was talking about. How can you possibly know that? Because I understand history. And I looked at the situation we're in, and I researched the programs in place by government and where they led into the future, and it was very obvious. History would repeat itself, and you could see about 85% of what it would look like, and you knew there'd be some excuse. So then it comes, you enact your plan, you get told what? You live in a bubble. They're the same people that will tell me, well, I stopped listening to him when his show became nothing but a cryptocurrency podcast. And on the same day, somebody else are saying, well, it's nothing but a permaculture podcast now. And somebody else is saying, no, it's nothing but a business podcast. How can it be nothing but three different things? You know what? Those three things are kind of important, though, aren't they? Those three things are very important. You know what the person saying is nothing but a cryptocurrency podcast is really saying? Gee, I wish I would have listened to him back in 2014, but I didn't, and now I'm going to blame him for my own refusal to pay attention to what was going on. And I'm going to claim, the opportunity's lost now. Same person said that six months ago. Have you watched the last six months? The person who says there's nothing but a permaculture podcast doesn't even listen. Because we talk more about just basic homestead skills than we do permaculture. And the person who says nothing but a business podcast is the one saying it must be nice when I'm eating a steak and they're eating McDonald's uh, Impossible Burgers. Yes, those are three key tenets of what we teach. And you know what? If you don't want to hear about them, you go elsewhere because we will never stop because permaculture is the study of how we derive from natural systems the ability to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, to house ourselves, to provide ourselves with energy sources. I'm thinking in the world of survival, that's pretty damn important. We ain't going to shut up about cryptocurrency, and I'll tell you why. Everything in the future will be blockchain-based if it's digital. It is the only way that we can take power back from the scum who are doing this to you. 
They take down entire websites. They destroy entire libraries of material. And we have a solution to it, but you want to stick your head up your own ass so it'll go away because you want to go back to the old normal, which was just as corrupt as the new normal. As far as business, as far as business, there is nothing that gives an individual more freedom and liberty. Because the same, we need freedom and liberty. You better get your ass to work with building some sort of business or side hustle or something then. If you want to maximize liberty, how many people found out how unsecure those jobs were that they thought were so secure? How many people had it pulled right out from underneath them? And the people I know that run businesses, even in places that were directly affected by things like the restaurants shutting down, were able to shift and adjust and survive. The new normal is just the old normal plus. And guess what? Within a year or two, there'll be another new normal. And in another year or two, there'll be another new normal. And in a year or two, there'll be another new normal. You seen a pattern here yet? All this means is you have to give up more liberty because we said so. That's all it means. What exactly is so great about what society calls normal? I mean, most people, you said, you know what we should have? We should have a system where individuals live their lives based on the opinion of the majority. We're not about making laws or anything here. Right? That, that's a total, let's just take that off, put it on the shelf for a minute. That's lunacy, too. We can come back to it, though. I just mean, like, okay, there's no law that says you have to go to college, but people should go to college because the majority have been convinced that it's a good idea. Right? The, the majority of people believe that you should have a Visa card, so you should go get one. And I'm not even 100% opposed to credit cards. I'm just saying, like, most people who get one really shouldn't. They've not matured enough economically yet. Like, the only reason I have a credit card right now is so I can rent a freaking car when I travel. And when I started this show, I wouldn't even do it for that, and I didn't need it. And after one $500 extra cost, okay, fine, I'll get a credit card. But somehow, you know, other than that, I, li I live my life without a credit card. But that's normal. And we should do it because that's what people believe normal should be. The science is settled is basically a statement that, well, we can't actually prove what we're claiming, so we're going to use a fallacy called an appeal to authority, and if the majority of people believe it, we should all live our lives based on the assumption that it's true. That's normal. I want you to just think about it this way. If we lived in a world, like I describe you build the world for yourself, where the vast majority of people did produce at least some amount of their own food in their own backyards. And because you'll always produce more than you can use, but not everything you need, we had significant local trade going on where, you know, the guy across the, the way from me, he raises rabbits, and so I raise vegetables, so I maybe actually go, you know what, I can bump up my vegetable production, and I can actually give you some vegetables for your use and for your rabbits. I need fertility and rabbit meat. And we start trading like that. And even if I still have to go to Piggly Wiggly for some of my stuff, if a little bit of that was going on pretty much everywhere, if most people only went to college for careers that required college, and most people that went to college got a job in their chosen field of study, and that's the way things were. If most people left other people alone, if most people 
who had the acumen anyway, took the steps to build their own business. And we had tens of thousands of more of small companies versus giant conglomerates. If we had the type of lifestyle I teach people to build for themselves, how bad of an idea do you think it would be if somebody came and said, I know what we should do. We should create normal. And normal should be we make all those things go away. We move everybody to conformity. And everybody agrees, even if they really don't want to, because it's easier to go along and get along than not to. How, how horrific of an idea do you think that would be? If most people were living at least partially off-grid and somebody said, you know what we should do, we should make everybody get on the grid, how bad of an idea would that be? Well, you think that was terrible? Well, we don't live that way. Just hear me out. Let's say that we did. Wouldn't you be like, that's a terrible idea. That's horrible. Why would you do that? Guys, it wasn't that long ago. Most people were entrepreneurial. There's a few, few generations here, guys. Most people were entrepreneurial. Almost everybody that went to college went for damn near free, and they did something with their degree when they got out that was meaningful. There was no such thing as health insurance, but people got the medical care that was available at an affordable rate as well. That's not even that long ago. That's, that's post-World War II. Most people did have some sort of entrepreneurial thing going on. Most people in America and throughout most of the world did do some level of raising their own food. Most people were free to be whatever they wanted to be. Most. Not all. I know you'll bring up racism or something like that. I understand that was wrong. I understand. That would have been an example of something we should change. So now we have a system where if you are white and say you're not racist, that means you're really racist. That's the new normal. So if we had a system where most people got along regardless of race, religion, sex, etc., changing that to a place where we purposefully create an enemy and disrupt it, that would be a bad idea. Everything I'm telling you, you're like, yeah, that would be a bad idea, is what happened. Instead of all happening at once, it happened a little bit at a time over time. And this is the same thing that happens when you take animals that live in the wild and move them into domestication. Especially confined domestication, which is the best analogy to what we are today. You know, most animals in the wild almost never get sick. Only those that have like some sort of true weakness get sick. Or maybe they get old and they break a bone and they can't feed themselves anymore. And they, they, in the end, animals in nature tend to not get diseased heavily without being medicated every day of their life, without being cared for every day of their life. And in the situations where we have some disease encroaching into wild animals, it tends to come from our activity with domesticated ones. But just think about what a chicken is in, in the wild. There are wild chickens. They don't call them chickens. They're, um, they're an Asian jungle fowl is where all chickens come from. And these animals still live in the jungles of Asia. And they run around in the woods, and they don't get diseases that require them to be medicated from the time they're in an egg until they're eaten with antibiotics. But what happens when we take that animal and we put it into a house with hundreds of thousands of other animals. Almost instantly, we see diseases and illnesses in that animal that never existed before. 
And those illnesses then begin to mutate, pass around, and pass on to us. Isn't that what we did to humans? Isn't that what we did to humans? If you look at the Paleolithic record, and this is not, I'm not even talking about diet. Because our diet as a species was incredibly varied. If you live somewhere there were lots of shellfish, you probably ate it because it was right there. And once the first brave bastard ate an oyster and went, oh, that's pretty good, other people did too. If you lived in Nordic climates, you were very carnivorous. And the indigenous people that lived there still are. Can't survive without it. Not possible. Especially in a pre-fossil fuel era. A pre-agricultural era. It's impossible. If you were closer to the equator, you probably ate a lot of fruit. Because it grew on trees, and when it fell out of the tree, you ate it, and it was sweet, and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. So we have this incredibly varied diet. But what we can see from the, the remains that we can find from this long ago is that humans were incredibly healthy. We're tall. They were lean. But they weren't starving. They were able to do things that today you would consider like elite athlete level. Average human being was able to do them. Our problems, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, are largely derived from a process that we don't want to admit that we're subject to right now. It's called domestication. We have become as domesticated, or more so, than a lot of what we think of as domesticated animals. Toby Hemingway once said in a talk, and I thought it was such a brilliant observation, my cat is more wild than I am. Put my cat outside, and in almost no time at all, she'll revent, revert to the huntress that she is. Talking of my cat now, I have a cat named Dana. I've watched that cat pull a bird six feet in the air off of a feeder from the ground with a single jump. She's a domesticated pet. She'll curl up with me in my lap and purr. But she's a cat. More so than a dog. It's by her choice, man. There's nothing I can do to take that predator out of that animal. Good. Can't we be at least as intrinsically intelligent as a freaking cat? No. Most of us can't. And the reason goes back to, I, I really need this to be understood. We are not being educated in our society anymore. We're being trained. We're being trained. The founder of the education system that we call an education system today stated flat out that training was superior to education. Training is superior to education. What world is that true in? What world is that true in? A world in where you require obedience over critical thought. It's the only place that's true. You have to be in charge to see things that way. We need everybody to do what we say. That's what training's about. And there's places for training. Certain procedures that a doctor performs, they need to be trained in them so that they can do them without thought. Because they have seconds to save a life, and the thing that you need to do in this situation isn't known. That's training. Training is to condition an organism so that it cannot respond differently. 
It's very difficult to do with humans because we're extremely intelligent as creatures go. But it can be done. We train soldiers. We train a soldier to the point where they can take their weapon apart and put it back together in a minute or less with a blindfold on. That's not teaching. That's training. And the Army calls it training because the Army's honest about what it is. And it's so you're never going to be in a battle where somebody's going to blindfold you and say, take your gun apart and put it back together. It's not a gun, it's a rifle. Shut up. Really. I know one of you's out there. But you will be in a situation at some point where there's a malfunction or a problem. And you need to know exactly what to do. And by knowing that weapon intimately, you're more able to take immediate corrective action. You need to be trained so that when somebody says, cover that flank, you do it, even though it's scary as shit because somebody's trying to kill you. That's training. Again, there's a place for it. Training and teaching, when done right, go hand in hand. We train skills and we teach thought. Have you ever heard that? You haven't. I've never heard it till I just uttered it right now. We train skills and we teach thought. This should be the core of education if it's actual education. But see, when you educate, you teach critical thought. And critical thought can come into conflict with training, which if you're in charge and you want obedience is not good for you. You tell me that's not domestication. I have trained my ducks, not taught them. Right? I've trained them. All ducks go to bed means line up and go to bed. Why? I want obedience from my ducks. I'm in charge of my ducks. They live here. I feed them. I provide. Is that starting to sound familiar? You live here. You're fed. You're provided for. Well, I have to earn my own money. Yeah, I know you think that. But if you really believed it, you would not submit. You would not submit to all this perceived authority. That's why they don't teach you. They don't want you to learn. If you learn, you might disobey. You might do things your own way. You might actually think, hey, instead of just swallowing the shit that they're going to give me, I should take a look at it and determine whether it's right or wrong for me in my life. And they'll tolerate some level of that because they've only figured out how to get so much compliance from humans. But what happens when you domesticate a species? Every generation is a bit more compliant than the previous one. You really think your grandparents would have stood for this shit? Do you really? Do you really? I think my grandfather, Spirico, would have been beating people's asses within a month of this whole thing starting. I mean physically beating the shit out of people. Because he wouldn't have taken it. He wouldn't have tolerated it. And he wouldn't have been alone. But just a few generations later, the majority of people willingly submit to this. Willingly submit to this. Because we're further domesticated. So what they're doing with each generation is the first thing you do to domesticate a generation is separate it from its parents. Its parents have... You know, inconvenient behaviors, right? They have, they're, they're not as domesticated as you want. They have some old wild behaviors left around. And if we leave the children in contact with the parent too much, 
they'll learn those behaviors. And we've worked so hard to train so many of them out to go to the next level. We have to, we can't let this backslide. So you create a training method that involves them being separated from their parents. Welcome to Horace Mann's school system, right? That's what it does. Prior to that, school was very brief for how long a child was there per day. And it was all conglomerated. There were kindergartners and 12th graders in the same room. They learned from each other. That's how they learned. The 12th graders turned around and helped the 11th graders who turned around and helped the 10th graders, etc. So they all learned from each other. So what do you do? You separate them. By generation, by age group. Divide them all up. And you homogenize the process of training. You learn this much and only this much until you're ready to go to the next phase. And then you convince people that it's honorable to get to the next phase. It's important to get to the next phase. I watched a video I put up on Odyssey this weekend. Twelve years this family's been living off-grid. They have two little girls. They're homeschooled. And part of the homeschool that they're learning is like how to grow their own food, how to build. They built a cob house. And you think like just with those two skills, how to grow your own food and how to build your own house. And when I say build your own house, I don't just mean the structure, but like how to actually build how to put stairs in, how to build a wall so the house doesn't fall down on your head, how to install solar panels, how to wire the house with that solar so that you can do stuff. And there's people that would actually say, those poor girls, those poor girls, how are they going to get into college? Well, why do they need to get into college? So they can get an education. Okay. First, you're assuming they can't. Plenty of people like that go to college if they want to. But let's just go down this path and see where the mindset is. Well, they'll need a job. Well, why do they need a job? Well, you have to you have to have a house and you have to be able to eat. Yeah, but they're learning how to make their own house with natural materials. And they're learning how to feed themselves from a little piece of land. I mean, literally all they need is enough money to buy a little piece of land. They could make that working at Walmart as a greeter telling people to put their mask on. If they really just wanted that. Like, they can do other things, but that's all they wanted. And then they would have the ability, like, to feed, to clothe, and house themselves. And people say, would act like, well, that's limited. Okay? You tell me the average 18-year-old that gets out of high school with straight A's is capable of feeding themselves, housing themselves, and clothing themselves. And I'd say most of them aren't capable of doing it, even in the world that we call normal. As in, manage their own money, get a job, rent a house, get a, like all that stuff, right? Like they're not capable of doing it that way. These two kids, by the time they're 18, will probably have already, because the, they have a decent sized little piece of land, they'll probably have built their own home on a section of that land. Or maybe they'll have acquired a piece of land near mom and dad and do the same thing and teach their own children that way. Do you see how dangerous this is to people that say they want normal? And say that's not normal? My grandson, laying on the couch with the dog curled up with him, learning with a true education 
right? That's actual normal. I said I like using the word because it contains what it means. But if we like at the root word of the word, the root of the word itself, what normal actually means, that's normal. Growing up with your freaking family is normal. Spending more time with your family than strangers that are agents of the government, because that's what a teacher is in a public school. You're, I, I know you want to be angry about that. Okay, you're supposed to be logical as a teacher. Explain to me with logic how a public school teacher, which is actually a government school teacher, is not an agent of the state. Where do you get your lesson plan from? Who tells you what to teach? The school board. And they are the government. Who sets the guidelines that you have to teach by? Who says what time your class starts and what time it ends? Who says who can and can't go into the building? The state. If you work for the school system, you're an agent of the state. You exert the state's will on children. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. You've been domesticated too. But you're an agent of the state. If you're a cop, you're an agent of the state. If you work for the DMV, you're an agent of the state. If you're a bureaucrat, you're an agent of the state. If you're a politician, you're an agent of the state. And this transpires as normal in our world? This is what qualifies as normal? Children growing up with their parents, learning the basic life skills they need to live life on their own terms is weird. Children going to a government institution, wearing a mask that we know doesn't work all day long, staying away from their friends and not touching each other, and being trained to be obedient is normal. This is why I say you can take your old normal, you can take your new normal, and you can shove them right up your ass with your COVID anal swab. That's where they can go. All up, like in the words of Chris Tucker, right? And uh, what was that? Uh, the one with Jackie Chan, right? Shove it up your ass, all up in your ass when he's talking about the FBI badge, right? Remember that? That's what you can do with your new normal, your old normal, and your pre-old normal that became the new normal, and the one before that that was the old normal before it became the new normal. And whatever new normal you come up with next, you can shove it so far up your ass that you can feel it scraping the top of your skull. That's how I feel about it. I have no interest in it. And because of that, my life is better. And everybody I know that lives life that way has a better life today. They had a better life yesterday. They had a better life 10 years ago if they were already there. Have you noticed, like, when you go through and you watch videos about people, the ones that are the most inspiring are the people like, this guy moved to the mountain, built his own house on the side of it, lived there for 70 years. Nobody makes a movie about normal unless it's programming. Nobody gets inspired by normal. Nobody. Normal is the definition of mediocrity. Normal is the definition of conformity in our modern world and what we've twisted the, world to, the word to mean. Normal should mean the natural state of a human being. And all advocates of the state rest their argument fundamentally on one assertion. The natural behavior of a human is evil and the state is required to create conformity so that we can put a limit to evil. I know nobody's ever probably explained it to you that way, but it's true. That the natural state of humans is dangerous. It is dangerous, not in the way they're trying to convince you of. It's dangerous to them. 
Let's think about this. Let's say we took one generation of people in this country and we taught them, here's how to run your own business, to acquire a piece of property, to use the material that, that, that comes with that property to create your own house, to put in your own systems of energy, to produce your own food, and how to barter and trade with others in your region with no third-party intermediary, direct barter, even if it involves money, it still could be direct barter for the things you don't produce and how to create value so that you can get along in those relationships and provide something back. We trained, right? Trained, using their word, a generation. Because what you're using is counter-training, really. You're countering this, this education. What would the state have to offer them? Why do you think we committed genocide on Native Americans? Why do you think it was done? Why do you think they were rounded up and put on reservations? Because it was pesky that they were in the way? Take a drive across this country. Look how much of it has no people on it today. With over 300 million people, look how much of our country is empty of people. And do you really think the Native Americans were really in the way? No. The people in power knew they would never conform unless they were pushed to the brink of oblivion because they had nothing to offer them. What can you offer people who are like, you know, when we don't like it here anymore, we pack up our shit and we leave. Freedom is defined by the amount of things that you can let go of and leave behind. Right? You say, well, we'll feed you. We need no food. There's 50 million buffalo wandering around. There's 200 million elk. There's tons of deer, squirrels. We'll give you housing. We don't need it. We have our own. It's portable. What about when it gets cold? We go south. What about when it gets hot? We go north. What do we have to offer them? Nothing. Do you know what we have to offer humans that are living life as normal humans from a standpoint of what the state has to offer them? Nothing. The only thing the state uses to make every one of these deals with the Satan that is them and the one and the same is security. It's security. It is a fear that I will not be able to defend myself and my property and my family and my friends and my community without some higher power. So I will have to give away my control to distant and, co and corrupt authority. And I know that when I do it, but I feel that I'm making the deal with a monster to protect me from worse monsters. That is the sum total of the bargain the state has offered humanity. As though we cannot do it ourselves. It is a fundamental lack in trust of ourselves that leads us to be easily domesticated. It is the belief that we need them to fill the feed trough or that we'll starve. We don't. And you have to ask yourself, if, I, if what I'm saying is crazy, if it's, if it's lunacy, if it's not true, why do they hate it so much? Wouldn't you just think they'd say, go ahead, good luck. Let us know when you need us. We'll be right here waiting on you. Why do they get in the way? Why does a family, like the one I talk about, move off grid, live there for a decade, and all of a sudden the state finds out they're there, and go, well, your place isn't permitted. Why do they do that? 
Well, you know why? It's not about them. It's about, holy shit, do you know what will happen? If, if, if this example is allowed to stand, other people might do it too and we'll lose control. You see the number one arguments that are coming out of the European bank system against cryptocurrency is not that cryptocurrency, like the, the whole shit about it being dangerous, not working, etc. They've given up on that. Now they're saying we may become incapable of regulating the economic system. People might lose faith in our currency and then government won't have any power anymore. No shit. That would be actual normal. Human beings deriving their value from their efforts and exchanging them freely with other human beings. That's actual normal. That's actual normal. Human beings deciding their own risk tolerance. I'm going to go do this thing where other people are. There's a disease. I understand that. I am willing to take that risk. You're going to kill grandma. Grandma then can stay home. Grandma is, you know what, this whole thing about the elderly? You know what we used to do with elderly? Respected them. We didn't treat them like little children that needed to be squirreled away somewhere, away from society and protected. We said, you know what, this man's 78 years old. He's lived for 78 years. He knows more than me. If he wants to risk his life, it's his effing business. It's his business. What's happened, though, is that 78-year-old man, that 84-year-old woman, now live in fear because they've been conditioned by the new normal, version 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, that they need to be afraid. They are the worn-out livestock. Not in my opinion. In the opinion of the people that manage them as livestock. What do you think they want you to live on soy and corn for? What do you feed livestock? And what is the great thing about feeding livestock corn and soy and wheat and barley? It's so you can store enough to feed your livestock long enough to bring them the harvest. That's why we do it. You know, the best way to raise cattle is on grass. But what do you have to give a cow to raise it on grass? Some level of freedom. Can't do it without it. Can't do it without it. You want to put the cow in a place and hold it there? You want to check it daily with your finger to see how fat it is and slaughter it at the perfect fat-to-meat to ratio? You want it to be like a machine? You want it to be like a factory? You got to feed a grain. You got to feed a grain. You want to feed a cow grass. That cow has to live like a wild bovine. 90% of the way. We control it with like electrognet and stuff like that. But we do that because we've taken away the predator. You put the predators back. I mean, you want to do this. This is not hard. You want to rewild North America? All right. Bunch of you are going to get your kids eaten by wolves. But here's how we do it. We start breeding the shit out of bison and letting them go. And once the bison herds start to really get built up, we start doing the same thing with elk. Elk were not just the mountain species they used to be. We had different varieties of elk. We had elk from, from freaking New England to California. We bring back them too. Then we need top predators. We let the bears come back full on. We encourage that, and we bring back the wolf. And the wolf will be the fastest one to come back. And the whole system will balance itself. The herds will move in mobs again. They'll only stay someplace for so long, and they'll move, and they'll stay close, tight together. You don't want that? Then we've got to do it with ElectroNet. 
But you got to give the cow freedom. Doesn't work for CAFOs. Same thing with pigs. Same thing with any grazing species that moves around like that. That's how you do it. But they don't want that because they don't want to lose control. And what they really don't want to lose is the ability to quantify. This is how business runs in America today. If it's run by an individual and it's small and he has one less cow, big flipping deal. Just grow a couple extra cows. If one dies, one dies. You get that, you get that genetics out of your herd. But when you're managing millions of units of anything, you need to be able to quantify things. You need to be able to know X goes in, Y comes out, here's my profit. Because it's about profit. It's not about serving people. That's not normal, but it's what they call normal. That's why they have CAFOs. And that's why if you look at the way we manage human beings, we're in one giant CAFO. A city is a giant CAFO for human beings. You will go to your little stall every day, right? You do your, your you enter your numbers or, or stamp your widgets or whatever you do. You get in your little machine and you go back where you are. And you go to your other stall. We call it a house. You got to pay for your own stall and clean your own shit out of it. But man, that's what we do. That's the world we live in. The way that humans are treated like livestock, and then that is asserted as normal, should scare the shit out of you. What I want to end with today is it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm not livestock. I think for myself. My life is as normal as I want it to be right now. I mean, literally the only time I ever even think about this shit anymore, other than for teaching purposes, I mean, in my own day-to-day -day life is, my wife will say, hey, do you want to go to Tennessee again for a vacation? I'm like, well, hold on. What's it going to be like there as far as restrictions? Because if it sucks, we're going to Florida, where they don't have any. Because otherwise I forget. We want to go to a restaurant? We go to a restaurant. We don't stay here in fear. Our kids want us, our grandkids, our kids want to see us. We see them. We don't stay in fear. My life, my backyard looks the same. My business is in better shape than it's ever been in. It was a choice. It's not a bubble. You live in a bubble. You know what that is? That's an excuse for the fact that you didn't build your life that way. And I'm not talking down to my audience. I don't want you to see it that way. I'm just telling you this is the mindset of the people around you. It's not their fault. They literally can't think clearly anymore. Why? Because training is conditioned in an organism so that it cannot behave differently. Talk about Miyagi mornings. How about bonsai trees? You trim, you train, Daniel, right? Huh? You can train a tree. You can train a tree that is a redwood that should be one of the tallest trees in the world. You can put it in a little pot. You can control how much nutrient it gets it doesn't. A little wire, a little bit of shaping, a little bit of pruning. And you can keep that thing for hundreds of years where it will fit on a tabletop. That's training. You can't teach the tree anything. You can't teach that tree shit. It won't listen to you. You have to confine it. You have to tie it. You have to restrict it to train it. That's what we do to humans. Here's the odd thing. Let that tree be what it is. Let that tree be normal. Let it be joined 
by thousands of contemporaries and form a forest. And that forest can teach you everything you need to know as a human. The greatest teacher we have is the forest. That's normal. A walk in the wilderness is normal. Being able to bend over, cup your hand in a stream, and drink the water from the stream without fear of dying or getting sick, that's normal. It's what we did for freaking hundreds of thousands of years. When we domesticated humans, we polluted our water. We depleted our wild stocks. We lost the ability to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, to make our own structures. It became specialized, like insects. Only construction workers can build houses. We need codes and architects to build a house. How do we build houses for tens of thousands of years? Oh, everybody died in them. How do we get here? Oh, we got lucky. A few of us got through. I mean, this is, the, this is what passes for logic. No. I invite you. I invite you. If you're new to this whole line of thinking. To make the decision right now. It starts with a single word, two letters long. No. Well, this is the new, no. You're going to have to, no. If you don't, then no. But do you want to, no. You need the back, no. You have to, no. No to everything. But what if something really isn't your best interest? I'll start with no. I'll figure out what's in my best interest. And if it's truly in my best interest, I will figure that out. What if you make a mistake? It's normal to make mistakes. That's normal. It's also normal to suffer the consequences of your failures. That's actual normal. So I have no interest in going back to what you said was normal three years ago. Oh, man, the new normal sucks. I want to go back to the old normal. No, I don't want to go back to that. I've been preaching against what society calls normal since you listened to me the first time, if you listened to my first episode. There's nothing new here. It's just another way to look at it in the context of the current modern reality. With that, we've wrapped up another episode of the show. I would tell you about the item of the day today. Well, let me check real quick, because sometimes things change. No, it hasn't. Um, the DeWalt 20-volt Max XR cordless drill combo went on sale again. Uh, I put it out this morning. I put it out on uh, Telegram and Discord and all, and within an hour it sold out. So uh, the item of the day sold out. It is something worth keeping an eye on. A lot of times DeWalt will only have so much in inventory when they put up a sale. Sometimes they'll bring some in, but... Even if you uh, you didn't get in on that deal, remember, you can always support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. The other way you can support us is by becoming a member of the Member Support Brigade. If you just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to sign up, uh, and you do that, you can find out how, and you can get the discounts that come with that membership that will cover the cost of your membership. And it comes out to about $0.18 cents an episode to support the work that we do. And like I said, if you use the discounts, you get your money back. I also want to remind you, Saturday... The tickets for the workshop at Nine Mile Farm at my my backyard, that goes on sale Saturday morning. You really need to get on our Telegram channel if you want to come because you're not going to get the link when it goes live otherwise. You can sit and hit refresh on the survivalpodcast.com all you want. I'm going to put it kind of in the back door world, and I'm going to put it out on the Telegram channel. That's the only way I know to be fair with this. It's going to sell out, and I would guess in a matter of minutes. 
We have some really cool stuff, and I'm trying to get the show done early today. That's part of why I went kind of freestyle with it, because I want to take my sketchbook and go on property and do walkthroughs of the two projects that we're going to do in addition to the sessions. Um, this is going to be a little bit more intimate. I'm only taking 30 students for the fall. I took 65. So if you were here for that, you understand how big of a dramatic difference that is. It makes it easier on Dorothy and I. It makes it easier on our staff. And it lets us do more hands-on instruction-level stuff. I, I can't really do projects like this with 65 people. It's not really possible. There's a, there's a point where you kind of move from many hands make light work to many hands make poor work. Because unless you have trained people, trained, there's that word again, that know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it, when you get to a certain quantity and you only have a certain number of people that are in charge and leading, you lose control and things happen that shouldn't. I've learned that over the years. So we tend to do more hands-on in the spring, more instructional-level stuff in the fall. This is going to be a great one. Please consider coming. And guys, if you have not been checking out the Miyagi Mornings videos, these are great. Now, I will tell you that I'm more jack whatever you take that to mean, but I think most of you get that I'm more Jack in those videos, and I use um, more curse words, especially the F word, in some of them. So always assume that it's there, and after you listen to it for your friends that can't handle that, share the ones that don't have it. Um, but the Miyagi Mornings thing has been going really, really well, and I'll tell you, I think this is what it's done. When I started out in the car, I had to do shows like today. I didn't have an outline, bullet points, all that stuff. And so I was also new to this. So I spoke out more against the system rather than here's the solution to the problem, right? It was just a, it was just a process ability to do at that point. Um, I gave a lot of solutions too, but I, I really kind of railed against the system. And that had a certain amount of energy in it. Miyagi Mornings brings some of that back. It's not all that, but it brings some of that back. It's decidedly non-political. And I have to say there was some significant politics in the show in the first year. And, and, and I've tried to push that out. But I think identifying the problem and being honest about the fact that most of the time the person most responsible for your problems is you and that not being up front in your face in the show as much anymore or especially the shows, you know, an hour long or whatever, having those segments has kind of brought that back and kind of created this coexistent world. So if you haven't checked out Miyagi Mornings yet, you probably want to. And remember, everything I do in video now is on Odyssey, and there is a shitload of stuff that I put on Odyssey that I do not put on YouTube. A ton of stuff. And a lot of it is like high production value documentaries and things like that that I really feel in the coming years are going to start getting censored from YouTube. And I know you'd look at it and go, why? Why would they ever censor that? It's not about guns or racism or whatever. Just look at what they're doing now. And if I told you 10 years ago they were going to censor a lot of things they're censoring now, you would have said, oh, come on. Lose your tinfoil hat, you crazy conspiracy theorist. And now you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Well, huh. this is what you need to understand about tyrannies, whether they're technical tyrannies, whether they're state-based tyrannies, whether they're oligarch tyrannies, doesn't matter. Tyrannies only move forward. However bad it is today, Unless you do something to counter it, it'll be worse tomorrow. So there's nothing we're going to do to stop Google, YouTube from censoring. Nothing. The solution is not, let's push back on Google. It's let's create our own platforms. Let's create a platform with blockchain where people can put their videos up and they can't be taken down. That seems so hard. Oh, somebody already did it. 
So that's what I use. And more and more of that's coming. And more on this type of thinking is coming to the show as well. I keep saying that when it comes to social media, and when I say social media, I don't just mean Twitter and Facebook. I mean all ways that humans use technology to share information and exchange information and conduct conversations with each other. All of that. So YouTube, to me, is social media. See where I'm going with that? All ways that that works. We are the commodity. We're the value. Facebook without you is worthless. I mean, really think about it. If if 90% of users on Facebook left tomorrow, the company would go bankrupt in a week. Right? Does that make sense? I mean, do you just understand that? Like, it's Twitter, same. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying if it did, it would. That means that every person there is a dollar sign. Every single one of you is a dollar sign to Mark Zuckerberg, to Dorsey over on Twitter, or any social media company. You are the only reason the platform has value. You are money. And what did Peter Schiff say about money? Very famous quote of Peter Schiff's. Money goes where? Money goes where it's treated well. We're like, well, look at all this money leaving. Well, they're taxing the shit out of it. Smart people have money, and they move it. So if you want to know where the money's going to flow to, look where the money's best treated. People that are smart enough to make money understand how their money's treated, and they move it where it's treated well. Okay. Can't we do the same thing? The concept I want you to keep in your head is social swarm. We should go where we're treated well. If you want to use that means of communications, we should go where we're treated well. And if a place stops treating us well, we should be ready, like our forefathers, to pick up and move. It's a lot easier, right? It takes work to like take down a TP, wrap up the poles, put it on, you know, haul it out, move it. That's hard. Like porting data can be almost instantaneous. And if you put it on a blockchain, You don't really have to. You can just build another way to access it. What if one of these companies that does this stuff on a blockchain, like, you know, blocks the content, blocks the nodes? The blockchain's still there. The content's still there. Do you think, like, they checked with the Bitcoin people before they forked it? Right? Come on. Understand how this all works together. This is the new world. The swarm. More on the swarm will be coming soon. With that, let's go ahead and end things with our song of the day today. This is a really interesting song for today's show. It's called It's a Hard Life by Queen. I think it's from like 83 or 82 or something like that. Freddie Mercury wrote this song. And it's about how hard it is to be in a 100% committed relationship with another person and have it last. To fully trust them, to completely bury yourself and not lose them in doing so. And that is what the song's about, because the guy that wrote it and sung it said, this is what the song's about. I love when people try to say, well, that song's really about notes, what about the guy, that's what it's about. But I do believe there's multiple ways to interpret any piece of art, and this music is art. Everything Queen ever did is art. And as such, a way we could interpret this to derive lessons of life from today's subject, is you know what's harder than fully trusting your romantic partner? Fully trusting yourself. If you want to live the life I described today, 
You have to trust yourself. That doesn't mean not thinking you'll ever make a mistake. You have to trust yourself enough to be willing to accept that you will make mistakes and you'll be able to recover from them. You have to gain enough wisdom to know that your mistake isn't going to be, oh, I'll see if I can stop a semi-truck doing 70 on the highway with my hand and pretend I'm Superman. You have to trust yourself that you're not going to do anything that stupid. And then you have to go live your life. It's a hard life. And that's completely normal. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. I've only got myself to blame It's just a simple fact of life It can happen to anyone You win, you lose There's a chance you have to take me love Oh yeah, I fell in love But now you say it's over And I'm falling apart Yeah, yeah, it's a Oh